Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 24 of The Jake. This is the Grady Sizemore episode, a uh, Cleveland fan favorite before getting uh, his uh, career derailed by injuries. But, you know, it's very fitting that Grady is the, uh, the player we focus on today because today is the beginning of the American League Divisional Series and uh, the real start to the playoffs. We just saw the two wildcard games, which kind of went as expected. The Yankees... Uh, one game, uh, the ALDS, or I'm sorry, the American League wildcard game, and the Diamondbacks won the National League wildcard game, both home teams, and, you know, kind of in an unconventional ways. The starters, for really for none of the teams, did well. Uh, Urban Santana was pushed out early after giving up like four or five runs. Severino only lasted a third of an inning, and the Yankees' bullpen really clamped down, did a great job. And obviously their lineup got to Santana, so they won that handedly. Last night didn't stay up for the whole National League game, but both John Gray, uh, John Gray was chased early for Colorado, and Zach Greinke, while he wasn't chased early, he ended up giving up a good amount of runs before leaving, and it was a tight game until they uh, busted it open late. I think it was like the seventh inning when a reliever had a uh, two-run triple, which was pretty pretty impressive. So those are set. We have the baseball playoffs are set, so I don't have a guest tonight. This is just me. I'm rolling right in. This is going to be a quick episode because I am excited and ready for the American League playoffs. Um, I was very nervous today. Uh, all throughout the day, you know, a lot of Yankee fans are chirping. They're getting excited. They are uh, back to their ways of being uh, pretty, pretty happy and pumped up and full of themselves, which... I kind of forgot that what that was like because for a while they were kind of low and not thinking much of the team, and then they saw them play against Minnesota, and they're like, all right, let's go. Let's take it to the Indians. Uh, I was really nervous all day. I'm biting my fingernails. I've got nothing left. Uh, I, I'm i looking at the series as like, whoa, wow, you know, like it's only a five-gamer. If you drop one of the home games and you uh, you know you have to go onto the road down the series or something, it, you know, it's, it, it could, anything can happen in baseball. But then I read Andrew Miller's piece on the Player Tribune, which was titled Believeland, and it kind of calmed my nerves because he reminded me that this team is is special. You know, whatever happens, uh, anything can happen. We know that. But the way he just, you know, made me feel like this team is on a mission. Uh, they it started last year with a playoff run that finished just short. They won three games in the World Series and couldn't win that fourth game. They exhausted every arm. They went so far, so close. And then they improved in every area. A team that went to the World Series improved in every area of their team this year. So, you know, they they had bust out players last year, Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. They're MVP candidates this year. They had Mike Napoli anchor the team as a power-hitting cleanup guy. Now they have Edwin Arcanacion. Their rotation is healthier and stronger than it was last year. Same guys, just better. Uh, and their relief, their relief, they won't be relying just on Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. They'll be having some starters give them some relief innings. They will have more relievers on better rest. I, I'm, I know anything can happen. And I know that I have to be prepared because the Yankees are going to be able to swing and hit homers. And they have good pitchers too, but I, 
Andrew Miller. Every time I want to think we're in trouble, I'm just going to think of what Andrew Miller said in the Players' Tribune in that last year was the appetizer, the 22-game win streak was the dry run, and this is this is the cherry on top is going to be this run here. And this, this is a special team. Everyone has come in. And the, and the big thing he pointed out that I loved the most, he said that the 22-game win streak, no one would have predicted winning that many in a row, but no one was surprised. And I thought that was the big, the big thing right there. No one was surprised that they could do this. This didn't surprise anyone. And if you talk to any of the players after the game, whether it was Jose Ramirez, Jay Bruce, Corey Kluber, Francisco Lindor, Cookie Carrasco... Every single player that talked was just like, you know what, we take it one day at a time. As cliche as that is, and as often as we say that, we just look at it as we got to beat Detroit today, or we got to beat Kansas City today, or we got to beat New York today. That was kind of how they took it every game. And I loved that about them. I think that's the type of mentality that can win you the World Series. And that's why I think they're a team to, to fear in the playoffs. They're the one seed in the American League. They were only one win short of having the best record in baseball. 102 wins is one of the best seasons in Cleveland history, and I've already deemed this team as my favorite team of all time. Whether or not they win, they could get swept in the first round. They'll still be one of my favorite teams. They'll still be my favorite team of all time just because of what they were able to do to get here, and it's really remarkable. Um, so with saying that, I'm going to predict each series all right so uh full disclosure houston is up right now on boston but i didn't think that was going to change anything i thought this is a houston sweep overall uh, i like their pitching rotation i think boston's a little overrated and they have pitchers who you know as good as they are aren't really proven in the playoffs you know uh, david price is notoriously bad in the playoffs um a couple of those younger guys whether it's uh the lefty that, oh my gosh, so the Indians trapped Pomeranz, Drew Pomeranz. Or it's, you know, Rick Porcello is unproven in the playoffs. He had one start last year and he got creamed. And then Chris Sale, who, like, never pitched in the playoffs ever, you know, he came in. I think he gave up a good amount of runs today. It was uh, it was 4-2 when I last checked. And they're just, uh, I know their lineup's really good. I just think Houston is better than Boston in every area that matters and I think that's going to be a sweep. I think uh, I'm pretty um, – and that's one of the more confident picks because the other series I'm not too confident in. Like Indians-Yankees, I, I could see this going anyway. Um, you know, if they jump all over Bauer in game one, the pressure's on Kluber tomorrow uh, to get it done, and now they're forecasting, you know, showers. And I'm like, come on, this is the last thing we need. You know, we don't need, you know, him to pitch an inning a rain delay, and then he's not going to be able to go out for the, uh, you know, after the rain delay. Like, that's the last thing we need. So that kind of is, is like a scary thought in my head, but then I keep on remembering what Andrew Miller said, and that this was a whole team effort to get here, and that they are ready, and that this is the, the real thing, ready for the big time. Uh, I think the Indians will win the series. I think it will take four games. I don't think it, I don't think it will be a sweep. I think last year, uh, all the Indians fans and Indians writers and everybody Cleveland uh, probably didn't realize how improbable it was to get to the World Series that unscathed. They only lost one game in the American League playoffs where it was to Toronto, and they—I mean—they swept through Boston. 
They beat Toronto in, in uh, five games, a 4-1 to one series. I think this one's going to be a little bit tougher. I think if they want to make it back to the World Series, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a longer effort to get there. Uh, I do think they'll get past the Yankees. I think, you know, unless something crazy happens, I just look at the Indians' rotation as they're going to have a good starter in every game, and they're going to they, – they've been there. Terry Francona has been there. He's managing possibly the best team he's ever had. He's been with this group of guys for over a year, you know, this exact group of guys for like a year because they've just did this last year. And he's been he's been around this team for a while. He knows what to do with these guys. I think between Kluber starting game two and five, that sets us up nicely that, you know, whether or not we win or lose tonight, we will get back tomorrow our best starter. Hopefully there won't be any, you know, rain delays or weather craziness to change that. But I think overall, uh, Kluber is 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 going to be a big you know door stopper whether we lose tonight or he'll be a huge key factor in trying to take a 2-0 lead. So I know Trevor Bauer is quite the wild card here. He pitched really well against the Yankees the last uh, the two times he pitched them this year. Uh, I think he's pretty underrated in the national scope. I know everyone is starting to now take notice with a 17 and 9 record this year. But in the second half, and especially in September, he pitched really well. And I think uh, you combine what he's done recently with what he did against the Yankees, pitching at home with our lineup. I know Sonny Gray's really good, and he has a good postseason record, but that happened four years ago. Now, he hasn't pitched in the playoffs since 2013, so this is going to be a little different. Um, I, I think the Indians, I could see it going any way. I think they win in four. I don't know how that's going to happen. I kind of think it's going to be split after two games. Uh, I could see them winning tonight, then winning tomorrow and getting that 2-0 lead, then losing game three and winning game four. I really don't know how that's going to happen because the Yankees' bats are so dangerous that at any time they can just go deep with really half their lineup. So I think uh, I think it's Indians in four there because of their pitching and because that they've been there. And uh, we're going to be fearing the Yankees for a good amount of time going forward. But this year, I think the Indians get by. Okay, in the National League playoffs, I do think the Diamondbacks are going to upset the Dodgers. I, I, I don't have like a great reason or just anything other than you look at every year, one of those wildcard teams makes it pretty far. And I don't think it's going to... I'm fearing that it's going to be the Yankees over the Indians. But I'm going to pick the Diamondbacks because of how sure I am about the Indians and how much I've followed them, how much I believe in them. Uh, I do think the Diamondbacks will win in a Game 5 scenario. It's one of those things where if you get to Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers don't look like that phenomenal of a team. They have really good players all over the place, but Arizona does too, and they looked really good in the wildcard game last night. So I wouldn't be surprised... If that happens, um, I know I picked the Dodgers. Boy, this is tough. I, I know I picked the Dodgers, and I think I'm going to... Boy, you know what? I know it's a last-second change. I think I'm going to pick the Dodgers in five. I think they're going to win that game five at home, and they're going to get past the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks will give them a really close shootout, I'm not. I'm look. You know what? I'm not so sure. I don't know the teams 
all that well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. But I'll pick Dodgers in five because I think they will win the Kershaw start. And if they do that, things will fall into, in, into place for them. With Nationals-Cubs, this is another one. I wanted to pick the upset. I want to go with Nationals. But here I think the Cubs are going to get through. They're, they're playing good right now. And uh, if Bryce Harper isn't healthy, this could, you know, this could be bad for them. What I want to say is Nationals, Diamondbacks in the NLCS. But what I am going to say is that the Cubs get by them. Uh, they win in five games as well. Then the Cubs take on the Dodgers. Dodgers get revenge this year and take care of the Cubs. I do think the Dodgers are a bit better than the Cubs. I think the Cubs are worse than they were last year. And uh, I think that's going to show in this playoff. I think they'll just squeak by the Nationals. And, uh, and yeah, and I think the Dodgers will make it to the World Series. And I think the Indians will get by the Astros. I look at that as going to be a really tough series, maybe six games, possibly seven. Uh, but I think, again, the Indians' bullpen will come into play, and it will be Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer. They have a really deep pitching staff. The way they handle that, I think they're going to make it to the World Series. And we'll see Dodgers-Indians, the two top teams in baseball this year, I'm going to pick the Indians because I just believe in this team. They're my favorite team I've ever had gotten to root for. They've brought so much joy this year, whether it was the you know the rise of their two infielders, Jose Ramirez and Frankie Lindor, or if it was you know their starting rotation being absolutely dominant and the 22-game win streak, the addition of Jay Bruce and Edwin Encarnacion, their their relief being that much more consistent than they were last year and the fact that it's just a team that's returning to the world series you know i kind of liken them to the royals of they came so close a couple years ago and then they were on a mission the next year and they kind of just worked everybody and ended up winning the world series i kind of think the indians are in that mold this year it's a different team than that royals team but i think in terms of just like their camaraderie the way they mesh together, the way they believe in each other, and the way that they're just built, they are going to win the World Series. And I think it'll be in five or six games. I think once they get there, they are going to be ready. I think the American League playoffs is going to be so much tougher than the World Series will be. Um, I mean, look, they can all be tough. These are all really good teams that they're going to have to get through. Um, and it starts tonight with the Yankees. I do fear the Yankees. Uh, a lot of my friends are, are getting to me, but I believe in this Indians team. I'm not thinking of the Yankees. I'm thinking of the Indians. So when I look at them, I'm just I feel ready, and uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried all about that. So that is my baseball preview uh, for the MLB playoffs. A little 15 minute preview. I I'm really excited. I'm going to be at the Darcy's tonight to watch Game One. I'll probably have to call my dad let him know that I uh, won't be uh, watching with him. I'll watch game two with him and probably game three with him and uh, go from there. Because I like watching the Indians at home. Uh, maybe I'll watch a little bit later tonight with him. It's already 7 o'clock, so it's time to roll. But uh, this should be a really good game one with Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. I mean, those guys are the type that you see from the first inning, whether, whether or not they've got it. Because with Bauer, I have a lot of experience watching Bauer. With Bauer, you know early on whether or not he's going to be a little bit here and there. 
you know, and, and, and all over the place and not exactly giving you his consistent best stuff. And Sonny Gray, I think, is a bit of the same. He gets a lot of bad luck sometimes. Uh, he has a lot of those, like, 2-1 losses from back with the A's. And even early on with the Yankees, he was just, you know, there he pitched his first game with the Yankees, pitched against Corey Kluber, where Kluber was insanely lights out. And he pitched well. He just, they, the Yankees had a bunch of errors behind him. So we'll see how, you know, the defense plays behind him and everything. I know that they uh, went with Hicks in center field and they're benching Ellsbury tonight. We'll see how the defense reacts and everything because I know the Indians are going to want to put it in play. And Sonny Gray isn't exactly a big strikeout guy. I know he does get strikeouts, but he's not the strikeout guys that you will see like Severino or Kluber. So it will be interesting tonight. You know, Bauer will really need his strikeouts. He'll need to temper the walks because if he walks guys and gets you know Aaron Judge or Gary Sanchez or any of these pop hitters up, you really don't want to have guys on when they're swinging. So that'll be important for Trevor Bauer tonight. If you can get through six innings and give up three or less, I think that'd be very good for the Indians. Um, I know what he's capable of. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and Sonny Gray, he's another one where you know the, the Yankees just went through a lot of their relievers the other day. So I heard that Green and Robertson were likely unavailable, but you know, as, as Joe Girardi said, they'll say they're ready. So we'll see what he does with the relief, with the bullpen. The Yankees have a good bullpen, and uh, we'll see who's ready. Hopefully the Indians can jump on him early. Okay, but baseball isn't the only thing that's going on. Uh, I know uh, there's there was a big story this week, and it was the Vegas shootings. This is the Jake news of the week, which is anything but fake news. It's real news. This whole Vegas strip with over 50 people dead and I forget the number of people that were brought to the, the hospital. I think it was like 200 or something. And it's, you know, I've, I've, it's really shocking, everything that happens. And, you know, a lot of people have been outspoken recently uh, for the NFL protests. And then this comes in and it, like, kind of puts everything in check. And you realize, you know, what people are protesting and, and the violence in America, you know, what comes with the freedoms that live in America is, you know, you want to say, oh, you have the freedom to do this and the freedom to do that. My, I have the Second Amendment, which protects me from doing this. I live in America. I can do what I want because it's the land of the free. But with that comes this certain responsibility because you live in America with hundreds of millions of other people. And, like, they want to live to their freedoms as well, which wants, which, whether or not, they are a different race than you or a different gender, you know, that you have to respect that. And right now we're not seeing that. I don't know what the right answer is here. Um, I'm, ne I've never been a fan of guns. I, they, they always make me feel a little like uneasy. Uh, I don't like the idea of having one in the house, but then again, I understand where people are coming from. This is what they've lived with their entire lives is the second amendment. And a lot of the country really needs or not needs that but lives off of that so but one thing i saw that was very important to realize is these laws were made 240 something years ago you know could you imagine trying to make laws for people that are going to live in 240 years from now it doesn't make much sense so the idea of keeping the second amendment because it's the second amendment isn't a good it isn't good enough for me that's not a good enough excuse um there needs to be more 
there needs to be more regulation. I know I'm, I know there are a lot of people on both sides of this, and I'm on the sides of gun regulation because where guns have been more regulated, gun violence has gone down. I know it will never be gone, but there needs to be a stricter policy on acquiring guns. There needs to be a stricter penalty for breaking gun laws. The gun laws need to be stricter, but the penalties need to be even stricter and, and swifter punishments. People need to realize what comes with breaking the law. And right now, it's just people acquiring guns. And it seems like it's pretty easy. And too easy, to be honest. <coughs> I know that's, there's I know there's a lot of sides to the argument here. I'd be happy to discuss with anybody uh, what they think on all of this. I know a lot of people want their freedom to have guns, but you know what, if, if, if you want those freedoms, then how are we gonna protect the people that want the freedoms to not have guns? You know, they wanna just live in their country and not have to worry about crazy people getting guns and shooting up an outdoor concert. Who's to say this doesn't happen again? Because these outdoor concerts happen all over the place. I'm not gonna buy into any of the conspiracy theories uh, about this. I don't want to, and I don't really have time for it, and I don't care about conspiracy theories because a lot of people are dead and it's from this gun violence. I think there just needs to be a change in the rules and a change on how we do things because we are now a country that has these mass shootings almost once a year. Or like, the, I mean, this is the biggest one, so obviously this one is, un, you know, is unbelievable, but they happen all too often. And I feel like you know, every couple months, we run into this big tragedy and they maybe they're not 100% preventable but there are ways to prevent this like you know without having to do minority report and pre-crime and stuff like that so i think this is something that isn't going to go away uh the conspiracy theory that this had something to do with the government trying to get away from the nfl protests i think is pretty ridiculous it's funny actually to think about but uh there's I mean, it's one of the only funny things about this. Because my dumbass of the week, it did not go to Cam Newton, which I'll get to in a minute. My dumbass of the week is Haley Geftman Gold, who lost her job at CBS after she Facebook commented on someone's post about this Vegas shooting. And she said, if they wouldn't do anything when children were murdered, I have no hope that the repugs will ever do the right thing. I'm actually not even sympathetic because county country music fans often are Republican gun toters. So she lost her job for saying that. And I got to say, that's a really dumb thing to say. You know, I know where she's getting at that, like, you know, a lot of these people that were probably killed are ones that believe in the gun rights. But that doesn't mean they deserve to die and they deserve to be subject to this act of terrorism. And this is terrorism. For people that don't think this is terrorism, that's what the definition of terrorism is, is when someone does something like this unimaginable act just for the fact that they don't agree with something in the world <coughs> and they, you know, it's not international terrorism, it's American terrorism. So, but this woman, that was a pretty dumb thing to say because not feeling sympathetic towards you know, just because you're a country fan, like, I like a couple of Jason Aldean songs, and I like Luke Bryan and Jake Owen, but I 
don't believe in all the gun-toting things. I believe that they need to be regulated. But if I were killed in this, she wouldn't feel any sympathy towards me because I just went to a concert. It's pretty ridiculous, and she deserved to get fired because dumbass of the week comment. Now, the Cam Newton one, we'll get off of Vegas for a little bit because I know it's a very tough situation, a tough conversation to have. But Cam Newton, man, I mean, talk about a guy who hasn't learned anything. Check this out. You take a, a lot of pride in seeing your receivers play well. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and, and making, getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there? It's funny to hear female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. I mean, like, the thing is, he actually goes on to give a good response, but the question was a good question. That's the first thing, is that he could have just answered the good question, because she was kind of toting up his own players, his own receivers, that had a good game, and he just beat the Patriots. You know, the, the way he should have acted was by just responding affirmatively and saying, yes, I am excited for the way that Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin are developing and that we have size on the outside and that if they learn to run their routes well. But instead, he, he like, like this was something like a fifth grader would say. And he's, he just thought it was funny. He literally, the moment she said routes, he just started smirking and was like, oh my gosh, what's this woman talking to me about routes for? Meanwhile, I got to think that 75% of the reporters that he talks to on a daily basis... They, I mean, it's not like they played football. You know, reporters aren't always football players, so just because she's a female doesn't mean she has any less knowledge of routes than these guys do. It's such a stupid thing, what he said. Like, there was absolutely no reason for it. It was sexist, and it was, and I, I'm trying not to get on this big high pedestal because the moment this happened, I saw a bunch of people tweeting out just ridiculous thoughts, and I'm like, look, Ladies, Cam Newton is an idiot. Don't listen to what he says. He's stupid. All right? He's obviously just uneducated and misinformed. I don't know this girl, uh, this female writer. Uh, I'm sure she worked her ass off to get to where she is. And I'm sure she knows just about routes as any of the reporters in that room do. And I'm sure she played as much football as half the people in that room. Because... It's not like they they know anything she doesn't because they have a penis and can play football growing up. It's, it was so stupid. What a stupid thing to say. I mean, it's obvious that he hasn't learned anything. And that's my hot Jake of the week is that he is just, he hasn't learned anything. Cam Newton has had so many naysayers throughout his career and so many opportunities to show professionalism and a chance that he's grown up. And after the Super Bowl, when he left the left the podium, um, he just he bailed from the podium because he could hear people celebrating behind him, and he left after a question that he didn't like. And it was like, wow, you had a chance to prove all your naysayers wrong by saying congratulations to the Broncos, but you know what? We uh, I, I I you know wish we had a better game plan. I wish we did this, that, and that. But instead, he just bailed, and he looked like a kid. And he's always got an excuse, you know, it's, and, and this time a lot of people are saying, okay, well, he's gone back and forth with his writer before, and she has said some pretty, um, 
borderline racist things in the past. And I haven't seen that yet. And I'll take a look. And even if that's true, I'd be like, all right, well, then maybe he should still check himself before he says these sexist comments. Because even if she's a racist, he has always looked bad in everything. You know, so why not just have a chance to, to look like the better person? But instead, no, he has to bring in this like childish, sexist remark. I'm like, come on, Cam. Like, you, like I want to say you're better than that, but I kind of don't think he is. So I'm not giving Cam Newton the benefit of the doubt anymore. I give a lot of players the benefit of the doubt, but repeat offenders of being an idiot like him, uh, kind of like Odell Beckham. I know a lot of people you know, are, are fed up of Odell or they just ignore it, but like Odell's an idiot. You know, he, he continues to play it up for TV sometimes. I mean, it, it's he just ha obviously hasn't learned his lesson with whether it's celebrations or just off-field antics or getting in arguments on the field. Like, it, it's just another guy. And not everybody can be a saint. I understand that. But, man, you're around a ton of other players that don't do this shit. You should be able to figure it out. So that's uh, my idiot of the week and my uh, my hot Jake of the week. But, yeah, this was a, this was a quick episode. I'm going to finish it up. Uh, I know this is a, a big TV time. October is, like, return of the fall schedule, the fall slate of shows. I'm really excited for a lot of shows coming back. My top five, I'm going to roll off right now really quickly. My top five shows that I'm excited for returning this fall. Number five is The Voice. Now, uh, I, I know The Voice has been on for... Ever since I was in college, they do two seasons a year. I don't watch the spring season, but what I do on Monday nights is after basketball with my uh, with the men's league I'm in, I go over to my parents' house and I watch The Voice Monday night from 8 to 10, have dinner with my parents, and do some laundry because I don't have a washer and dryer here. It's a nice routine. I get to see my mom. Uh, I, I enjoy The Voice. I, I like uh, hearing about the stories where these people come from. And that, like, you know, anyone can follow their dream. I always like that type of stuff. And I've seen a lot of talent through through the years. And I get really excited rooting for that, like, one, you know, live show. You know, everyone, I feel like everyone needs one show that's different from the others. So, you know, like, somebody might have American Idol, but also watches, you know, like, Game of Thrones. Like, like you know, you kind of need that, like, release, that different one. You know, and, and the reason that I'm, I'm picking out the top five fall shows is because I just finished up so many shows. You know, Bachelor in Paradise just ended, and I'm not I'm going to be out on Bachelor until January. Uh, I just finished Ozark, which was really good. Uh, a lot of people, I'm going to do my review of Ozark after this, but really excited for the fall, the fall sleep. All right, uh, my number four show after The Voice, which I do on Monday nights from 8 to 10, is uh, The Good Place, which is on NBC. Now, this is by Michael Schur, who did Parks and Rec and The Office. And you can kind of feel a Parks and Rec vibe to this show. Like, you know, the, there was always that trilogy, right? The, you know, The Office, Parks and Rec, and 30 Rock, right? Everybody that watched one of those shows usually liked the other two as well. And unless you're Tina Fey's daughter, who doesn't like 30 Rock, but likes the others. Which was really funny seeing on Seth Meyers and the Good Place is really interesting. Just started season two. I really like it so far. Uh, you can definitely tell it's from the the makers of the other shows because it just has that same like comedy to it, that same feel of the NBC show. 
I like it a lot. I think it. Uh, I think if you liked those shows, you should check it out. It's you know a quick half hour show. It's it's fun. And on Thursday nights, I think at eight thirty. So, the Good Place is my number four. Number three is Saturday Night Live, another NBC show. Um, even if you don't love every episode throughout the year, you always see a bunch of skits that make you really laugh and, and have a good time. Uh, I'm excited to see who they've got hosting this year because they kind of open it up to fans saying like, who should they go after and stuff. And I, I made my voice heard. I wanted to get out there that I wanted to hear Donald Glover up there. I want Key and Peele to get a shot on there. Uh, there are a lot of people I'd like Daisy Ridley from the Star Wars movies. You know, she'd be great. There are a lot of different people that they can have hosting for the first time this year. They already have Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds, or not Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling. Really, really excited for SNL to come back because they've already had a couple skits that I thought are really funny from this past week's episode. And I had big hype for it. I think this episode with Ryan Gosling was a, a, didn't really live up to the hype of, of the whole summer of waiting for it. But you know what? I thought uh, he still put it in with some really good episodes, or with uh, some really good sketches. The papyrus one stuck out, and the uh, the guy that owns a boat uh, skit on, on Weekend Update was great. My number two is Walking Dead. Uh, a lot of people criticize me for watching The Walking Dead. It's a really popular show. I think we're kind of towards the end. Uh, they, it seems like they are stretching it out a bit. And the same, uh, the same complaint I had about, that I had about, Game of Thrones recently was that they, it kind of seems like they're doing stuff for the fans and that you know, uh, everybody kind of feels a little bit safer recently. Um, I do think that Rick Grimes and the gang have felt a little safe in, in the past season and a half. I know there was this past season started with one of the biggest shot like kills ever, which, you know, it, it kind of goes against everything I'm about to say. But throughout the rest of the season, I felt like they just, everyone escaped peril pretty easily. And I don't think they used to do that too well. Like, they didn't used to escape all too well. Like, it was always somebody had to die. And this season kind of seemed a bit predictable at times. And I felt more people should have died from their mistakes. Other than that, I do love the show. I think it's really great. It's not just about zombies. That's the biggest thing that I try to tell people. I'm like, yes, I know the show is based on a zombie world and people surviving zombies but zombies aren't the biggest threat anymore there are episodes where you only see zombies for like a minute or two and the rest of the hour is just people against people or people planning against other people we are in a dystopian post-apocalyptic world that's what the show is really about it's not about zombies anymore zombies are just one of the threats if you've lived this long in the walking dead universe you know how to defend yourself from zombies so they are no longer the biggest threat. The biggest threat are other people and the other communities that are trying to build a new world the way they want it. So yeah, I'm excited. I don't know what the release date is. The trailer came out a week or two ago, uh, but excited to jump back with that. My number one show could have gone a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, Modern Family is back, Grey's Anatomy, both good shows. But I'm, I am not really caught up on them, so I wasn't really excited for that. South Park, American Horror Story, also really good shows that I've watched recently. Um, and, and I'll probably get back into, but those are ones that I watch kind of later. The same goes with Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I just haven't heard much about it. And I'm kind of worried 
without Dennis, how the show's going to go, and I don't even know when it's coming back. So those are all my honorable mentions, because my number one is Black Mirror. You guys know this from being my top show on Netflix from a couple episodes back when I talked about my Netflix shows. But Black Mirror Season 4 is coming back. They just announced all their names of their episodes, and they haven't announced a date, which isn't surprising, because they kind of keep things close to the vest on, on Netflix at Black Mirror. Uh, I think uh, I think this is going to be another really good season. They've just raised the bar every episode, and it is one of the best shows I've ever seen, just because of the way that they retool every episode to be a new storyline, new characters, and yet they still bring in a lot of drama. No one's ever safe, and you never really know what to expect. And it makes you really think a lot. You know, it's not one that you can just watch while you're going to bed or while you're playing video games. It is a deep-thinking show, and I really like that about it. But yeah, that's my episode this week. Turned out to be a regular-length episode. I just uh, wasn't really planning on that. But to everyone that's uh, listening that roots for Cleveland, go Tribe. I'll be rooting for the Browns this weekend, too. Be rooting for the Princeton Tigers. Got a lot of my favorite teams going this weekend against... uh, Against some of my friends' teams. You know, we got Jets, Browns, got Indians, Yankees. This week, Ohio State beat the crap out of Rutgers, which is also one of my friends' teams. So we'll see. Uh, rooting big time for the tribe here. Hopefully, a week from now, I'll be able to talk about the ALCS and not be talking about the tribe recap for the season. All right? Everyone, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Jake.